the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to the SpotTrack.com podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester along with Paul Peck. We're from BuffaloSportsPage.com along with the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. Mike loves baseball. And Not so gonna... much last night, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, as we record it's a day after the uh, Reyes. The massacre. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, the Mets the got Mets massacred. Um, Reyes and the mom. We had a lot of fun talking about it before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and just uh, what he was able to leave it to the Mets do? to always do something interesting, Mike. You yeah. know, it may not be good, but it's usually always interesting. And as a guy who goes back to the seventies as a Mets fan, I, I can speak to that. Yeah, that wasn't boring. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'd prefer they be scoring twenty five runs, but if you're going to have to watch a baseball game, and you know, the end of July, I guess that's uh, that's not a bad watch. Yeah. All right, so baseball is where we're going to begin with this because as we record this on August first, uh, it is the day after the end of the quote unquote trade deadline, and we know that trades will still continue, uh, but trades without waivers uh, expired last night. Uh, there was a lot of activity, more activity than you thought, and I guess before we get into the specifics, Mike, was the activity driven by need or by money? Yeah, so it's both. I, I posted a piece this morning where it's really a pretty even split this year. Uh, to your point, I, I, the, the post that I put together sort of went back to July 1st. I, I tracked it basically the whole month of July because really things got going pretty early this year. Um, 50 trades. 50 wow, trades posted a lot. in July. It's yeah. a lot. And and most of them had some sort of major leaguer moving. You know, it wasn't just kind of tick for tack trades. Uh, there were plenty of really solid deals. A lot of them made a ton of sense. I think yeah. a lot of them. Well, were... well real quick to, to answer yeah. why, I, I, the two things that jump into my head was you said it solid deals for need, yeah. uh, and I think the, con- the, the the other part of it, and tell me if I'm wrong or not, is what we're seeing in all sports right now, which is teams that realize they are not in the mix, that have players that they don't have long term plans for, that m- are making too much money. They're they're more than happy and more than willing to move them out, and I think we're seeing that across the board in every sport now there has been a push in every sport i think to not fall in love with anybody and right. that's fine you know if it, it's a business and we're going to talk about part of how how, how the business sort of uh, came to its worst maybe this this week too but uh we'll get to that in a bit but it's a business and i think most teams are still looking at it that way you know an example of where this sort of went wrong is maybe the phillies right remember the phillies the, the utley ryan howard phillies jason worth phillies yes that that's a team that held on maybe four years too long, you know. And, and we all look at that, and yeah, they had some great years, and they were in contention, you know, those last four years. But that's like the last example of a team saying we can still do it, we can still do it. You know, it's like the Kobe Bryant thing. You know, there's no reason for them to sign Kobe Bryant back those last two years at thirty million a year, but that's like a gift to him, right? Like the Phillies, the Phillies staying together was like a gift to the Philadelphia fans. That stuff's gone. Yeah, those days are gone. This is an example of that. This is an example of every single team had some sort of movement, and it's either for a buy or sell purpose, and it's either for needing to make a postseason push this year, uh, setting yourself up for a postseason push next year, which I think a few teams really did nicely, or just shedding payroll, which is the easiest way to do it this time of year. All right, well, let's let's talk about um, who made the big moves thus far again because some moves can happen uh, through waivers mm-hmm. uh pirates yeah big splash yeah I, I mean if you haven't looked at the standings in a while maybe, that one may, maybe threw a lot of people off because they just assumed the pirates are out of it and i think the pirates maybe assumed they'd be out of it because they did some selling before the year to sort of shed themselves of some core right the mccutcheons and the garrett coles 
I mean, that's basically your top two, uh, you know, veteran players. So I'm not sure they had many expectations to be where they are right now, but they're there. They're in the wild card spot and uh, at least hanging around it. Um, and the teams around them are sort of, you know, floundering a little bit. So they're in in a really good spot. But this was not a postseason push move. I mean, they, they got arguably the best player of any team in Chris Archer, who has three and a half years, 26 million left. And he's their ace now. That's a pretty good deal for an ace. So it's a it's a great move. And and on the flip side, they, they got rid of two prospect players, Austin Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, who for all intents and purposes, I think we're maybe on the backside of their potential. I think a lot of people had really high expectations for both of them. And I think the buzz on both was maybe, uh, maybe they're more bust than not. So I think the So player- go to Tampa. Yes. I, well, <laughs> well, I think I think it's a pretty strong move for Pittsburgh, not only to get Archer, but to move those guys before the bust was sort of revealed, is what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. So uh, to me, they're the maybe the 1A, 1B winner of this deadline, along with the Los Angeles Dodgers, who, man, oh, man, if you haven't looked at their lineup this morning, uh, boy, they got better. And I'm not sure they even needed to get better, but they got better. Um, obviously they've added Machado in this, in the past few weeks, but they added Brian Dozier, only the, you know, the best productive second really baseman, good uh, player, uh, the guy you un- love most underrated productive hitter in baseball over the past five years. I mean, just power, speed, great defense. I, I mean, it's a world series team from last year that just acquired yeah. their middle infield. Yes. Yes. Which is they, weird, lo- they right? lost their they lost their stud shortstop for the year and decided, oh, we'll go get, we'll go get the best shortstop free agent available, and then they decided to go and upgrade their second base position with the best available second baseman. So they're 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 completely primed to go. Um, they've got some pitching questions. They addressed a little bit, you know, in terms of the relief. Um, they're they're by far the NL favorites right now based on what they've done and where they were already. So. To me, those are the two teams that really did well these past few weeks in in terms of the trade. Uh, if we flip to the American League, I thought the Indians did a good job. Um, I'm not I'm not super in love with the outfield piece they added. I think they needed to maybe go a little bigger and swing a little higher. Um, they brought in Leonis Martin from Detroit, who's had some injury issues, but is a decent five tool player for them, um, especially defensively, which, where they really needed the help. But they made a splash with Brad Hand, uh, a bullpen guy who's under term for I think three more years which is a big deal because they've, their back-of-the-end bullpen guys are expiring this year. So this is more of a win-now and win-later move for them. That was a big move. Um, but I want, I want to get to Houston. I want to get to Houston because um, this is sort of the, that business discussion I think we need to have, right? That Houston did a few things, and, and for all intents, they did a good job filling some needs at catcher where they had some injuries, um, and they brought in a third baseman to sort of go with that as well. But... The, the, the big name here is Robert Asuno. And if you don't know Robert Asuno, he was the young stud closer for the Toronto Blue Jays for the past few years. And he was popped 75 games for domestic violence. All right. Um, which is, it is what it is. You know, Toronto was, was sort of dealing with that. They made some moves to counter that. No big deal. The problem is now that he's been traded. And he was traded during the suspension, which, number one, shouldn't be, ha- shouldn't be possible, in my opinion. I would agree with you on that. I'm and, with you. And number two, you've got a situation where... If you're popped for PEDs, you serve your suspension, you get back out there, you can play, but there's no postseason for you. That's not the case for this, and I think that's another issue that should be brought up. This, that, would, that would have stopped this trade from happening immediately, right? If you know that Robert Osuna can't be on your postseason roster, he's never a Houston Astro right now. So to me, those are the, the business sides of it that maybe need to be discussed on a, on a grander level for the higher-ups, but look at <laughs> 
the Astros got a stud here. All right. Put all of his off off field incidents away. This is a young, really good closer. He he made maybe the best team in the American League even better. He's going to be eligible for the postseason. He's going to come back in, I think, probably two, three days here and, and, and join that bullpen and be the big part of that bullpen. So you've got a, you know, World Series winning team that got better and they did it a little with a little bit of sketchiness, right? It's a little bit of a but see, a I blame I, I blame Major League Baseball for of course. this, but you know, of be, because again, like it or don't like it, and there's a lot, lot of reasons not to like it. What it, Houston played by the rules, look at and, you know, and and if you're gonna if you're gonna leave the rules open, then there you know there's gonna be a team, an aggressive team that figures it can over fight over the the public pushback. Um, that's where baseball needed. To your point, needed to say no. We're, we're not going to let anybody do this. So there's there's two points I, I want to make on that. Number one is we also have to blame the Blue Jays because because if 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 the Houston Astros were willing to give up assets to get this guy, why are the Blue Jays trading him in the first place? Right? I mean, the, the, what they gave up, you know, wasn't really warranted, you know, in terms of what they've lost. So Toronto sort of made a bad deal here, in my opinion. I don't know why they made any deal if. The, if well, if, to well think I think it'd be somebody else's problem. Yeah, I, I think. But, but by what happened, it would be my guess. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so they're they've got emotion, they've got empathy, but they're Houston doesn't. That great, right? You know, but Houston right. doesn't. See, so that that that's my point. It is the yeah. league's fault. The league, I don't even think it's fault. empathy. I think it's let's. It's not our problem anymore. That yeah. that's to me. That's a very cutthroat. Like you take them, we don't want to deal with them anymore. That, and that's fine. And and what he's done is awful, but. If I'm 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 the business guy here, right? I'm guy looking at, at numbers and, and and math here. And if I'm Houston, what I hated most about this is that Houston didn't just come out and say, "Yeah, he's a 50 save guy," and you know we're in contention every year. And we need and it. from a business standpoint, this was a no brainer. He served his time. You know he's done. He's done. He did the crime. He served his time, and we're gonna let him play baseball for us for the next four years because he's young and super cheap. I wish they would have just had the stones to say that because that is what this is, you know. Yeah, he he. Did well, don't you wrong. don't you suspect that in the boardroom of the Houston Astros that exactly was the decision? And then when somebody well, and then when they said, "Okay, can we do this?" Then somebody else said, "Well, how do we deal with all the other issues that but, are around?" But it? by not saying it that way, you're you're leaving yourself open for all these interpretations, right? Well, you know, you're you're letting yourself get involved in the legal side of it, whereas all you have to say is, "This is a baseball move." Toronto wanted to let him go. We decided that he served his time. We're we're hoping that we can he we he, he can have better values going forward. And, and from a baseball standpoint, he's one of the best closers in baseball. And now he's a Houston Astro. Uh, you know, I can tell you. I'd be a from, terrible GM, but uh, no, you'd be you. Well, no, yeah, no GM would ever come right out and say that. That's no. for sure. Oh, well, actually, the only one would, and he got canned. That'd probably be Murray, the guy from the Sabers, the former Sabers GM. There's been some uh, bad ones. Don't said, worry. Uh, said some things bluntly, but yeah, no, they they look at on the ice and that's pretty much it mm-hmm. right i mean they they all know the baggage that comes with it and they you know there's no secrets no. in these leagues about uh, all these things and they just look at hey within the rules he suspended what you said served his time mm-hmm. eligible to play now we made our team stronger that's my job end of story that's what pro sports has been all about for Many, 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 many years yep. uh, with that. All right, there are some other players uh, uh, to discuss, and you know, one that's still out there that didn't mm-hmm. go. But I want to talk about uh, 
you know, a lot of there was a lot of starting pitching movement. Archer, you mentioned Hamels uh, got traded a little earlier. Um, what about Degrom? Yeah, who uh, did not go from the Mets? Yeah, so I think maybe after last night, the Mets might be regretting not. <laughs> not Degrom may be regretting not, not, not selling parts here, but uh, you know the Mets kind of held still. They, uh, they they shopped their their expiring reliever and familiar to the af- Athletics, and that was really it. Well, they they shopped as Drupal Cabrera to the Phillies, um, which was sort of a no brainer move for them. He was going to go somewhere. But, yeah, the pitching staff all remains, right? And uh, the, the big four pitchers appear to be back, though I don't know if Steven Matz can recover from last night. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Matz, all still a Met, all still under term for next year. So um, it, it appears they're going to keep rolling with this. I, I, would, I wouldn't shut down the opportunity for DeGrom to get moved this winter. I think it's going to be pay me $200 million or get me the hell out of here, and that's – definitely warranted this is <laughs> this is a guy who's in the siren conversation every year you know he's getting up there in age he needs his contract now because you know father time is calling the Mets are getting worse seemingly so it's sort of a backwards approach for where his career is headed I blame Bernie Madoff um, for all of this yes. I blame the Wilpons uh, uh, yeah. I, I think well, the ownership has been and you're not fa- there's some no. truth to what you're saying oh Kevin. no absolutely yeah. well no it, it has all handcuffed of that, that franchise yeah. financially that so what, what I keep thinking of and what you just said is very interesting because on this podcast we talk a lot about the cutthroat um, no emotional part of what sports has become and to me what the Mets are doing is belies that in the fact that we're not just shipping out all of our assets because we're bad. We, I, I would assume the Mets are saying, we're, if we're ever going to get good, it's going to be because of those four guys. And we need to keep those four pitchers because if we have good starting pitchers and we make good moves around them, then we can get good again. And that that's so opposite of the way that we talk here and that a lot of the leagues operate now. And I actually give them credit for not necessarily doing what everybody else is doing. It, and, and you're dead on, but you're, you're missing maybe the most important point, which is all four of these guys are dirt cheap right now. They're dirt cheap. I mean, this is a four-man rotation that costs like $20 million. Right. Uh, right? Crazy so unrealistic. They, yes. It's not like they're just saying these guys are great and we, they look like video game pitchers out there and we want to keep them on the roster. <laughs> I mean, these guys are – this is the window right now, right? If you're going to do it, you do it now because yeah. you've got a starting rotation that costs a – you know the amount of one home run. When all those guys need to get signed, it'll be a four-man rotation and, at about two hundred and fifty million. And I think where I'm where I'm headed here is that we're sort of here. Degrom and his agents have basically said, "All right, it's time to get me thirty million a year, and if you're not going to do it, get me out of here to somebody who will." So, like I said, it didn't happen before this deadline. I think I think Degrom will run its course and try to win a Cy Young for the next two months in New York. Um, but I think maybe once the winter hits, you're going to start to hear trade inten- talks intensify, unless. Like I said, the Mets go out and offer five for one fifty on. Well, Jake, so, at Jake some point, ground. you have to keep your good players, right? I mean, at some point, teams have to start doing that, don't they? And, and like I said, we've sort of seen Stephen Matz get knocked around here. Syndergaard's been hurt every seven days. Um, it, it'd be tough for me to see them not at least make a significant offer to Jacob Degrom, who has been nothing but a good good soldier through all of this. Right. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. The other name that we want to talk about. Should I have been surprised that Bl- that Bryce Harper's name was floated around in some trade talks. Did the, uh, I, I guess I, in this day and age, I shouldn't be surprised about any of it, Kevin. We actually but... talked about trading you, Paul. Mike <laughs> well, and I did. We again, floated it out there. I should not be surprised. Then, we, so. you know, we put it out there some other uh, I'm not sure you get a whole podcast. lot of good offers in return. <laughs> Richard Deitch didn't want you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the athletic, I, nothing. Yeah, Jay Moore <laughs> said no thanks. <laughs> so right, well. anyway, all right. I'm sorry, I digress. I, I don't know. Uh, 
I've been under the impression that Harper's name should have been out there months ago because I think if you know you know you can't sign him, then you've at least got to get you've got to know what you can get, right? So I, I'm hoping that the Nationals didn't wait until two days ago to actually start doing their due diligence on this because of course the return's not going to be great when they know the deadline's right there. Um, I I'm under I'm under under the business side of this, right? So I look at this as you're five and a half games out. Yes, you just demolished the Mets last night, but that's not saying much. Um, if you're if you know you can't sign him, and they're the only they're the only people that know right now, right? I mean, Harper and his camp kind of know what they're going to do, um, or or know what they need in terms of the money. If the Washington Nationals know they can't sign him, even if they think they can get this thing to the finish line and get into the postseason, I think I would trade him. I think I would move him. There's Financially, that's enough. It's a no-brainer. There's enough youth on that team right now, and the Trey Turners and the Juan Sotos, and they can bring up a Victor Robles. They've, they've got youth to where, you know, and these aren't these are these are A prospects. These are legitimate superstar caliber players. Are they Bryce Harper? I don't know, but I think anybody could hit 220 right now, right? Right. Um, but look at the, the the whole point of it is, yes, maybe you can get yourself into the postseason. I don't think you can win it. And, and isn't that what we care about here? Isn't that real, what really should matter? Shouldn't you look at yourself in the mirror and say, if we can't beat the Dodgers, which I'll be damned if they think they can beat the Dodgers right now, then you've got to get as much as possible for Bryce Harper, even if you can sign him back, right? We saw, this with, we saw this with Chapman and the Yankees. The Yankees just decided, yeah, he's the best reliever in baseball, but that means we can get the most for him right now. Mm-hmm. And they, they traded him. They got two gigantic prospects who are currently on the starting roster right now. And they signed Chapman back three months later. I don't know why that's legal, but it's legal. And because it's legal and it's good, good business, that's something the Nationals should be entertaining right now. If they, even if they think they, they can't sign him, trade him. If you get him back, even better. If you don't get him back, you've gotten something for him and you didn't really give up too much. Because like I said, there are kids waiting to play right there. I think if you trade him, he's not coming back. Just really? my guess. Yeah. Just my guess. You don't think you would understand the business side of it? I mean, Scott, well, I think Scott had, Boris has been through this before. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Scott Boris is probably pushing for him to be traded. Yeah. If and he's going to be traded yeah. to one of the marquee big money franchises where he's likely, Bryce Harper's likely to say, I like it here a lot better. I, I'm, I'm going to put I'm gonna put my name out there as to with this. I, I think he was worth $7 million yesterday to be traded, okay? That's how much he had left on that contract. That's too much for a rental, for any team, right? Even the Dodgers wouldn't do that, I don't think. Machado cost them like 6-1. And you know what you're getting from Machado for, you know, two and a half good months here. Harper, he's not playing his best ball, and he's worth $7 million. If you wait three weeks, that's going to be closer to $6 million, which is a little bit easier to swallow. I think a team like the Indians, who I just talked about, I didn't think they addressed the outfield position enough. Um, they sort of got a good defensive guy, but they didn't really address the offensive production in the outfield that they needed to because they've got injuries across the board out there. To me, that's the team. That's the team you put a Bryce Harper – who can sort of manage a decent right field out in progressive field, who adds on-base percentage and more home runs to that lineup because you're going to have to hit home runs because the Dodgers infield is going to hit 150 this year now. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's going to be – right. be, we're not even talking about Puig and Matt Kemp out there well, right? and yeah. Bellinger. And how are they going to beat the Astros, right? <laughs> and, right. and the Astros. They're going to be in the long right? ball. So the Indians have addressed the bullpen. I, I, I put them with the Astros in terms of the bullpen matchup. I think they're going to have to go out and hit some more home runs. I, I just think that's something they're going to need to address. And if you get Bryce Harper at a lower price and you, you don't have to give up both of your big prospects, I've heard both of them being floated in this discussion, but if you can make it one of your big prospects at a $6 million price, I think Cleveland's going to be in on Bryce Harper come mid-August. Interesting. 
That'd well, be great. Yes. Uh, be as, awesome. we, as we wrap up the baseball, Kevin, why do I keep thinking as we listen to Mike talk and we and we talk about it? I keep thinking back to the famous Jerry Seinfeld bit from probably 20 years ago where he talked about sports as a fan that all you do is root for laundry now, right? <laughs> all you do is root for the uniform. You know, I mean, we have talked about Mike just rattled off some of the marquee players in the sport. How many kids in the in, in Washington, Virginia, Maryland have grown up wearing Bryce Harper jerseys and lived Live for Bryce Harper, and from as we talk about it, strictly from a financial, it, it's it's tough to be a fan these days. And yeah. if you're a fan, you better root for laundry and not players anymore. I, I, I got to tell you though, that's one of the reasons I built this website because I was getting pissed off that these players were leaving. Yes. I didn't understand the business side of it at all. So from you know from a personal standpoint, that, that I've kind of dove into this whole process, and now I, I honestly understand it way too much. You know, I'm, I'm addicted to it now, obviously, but. I, that was something I needed to understand as a fan as to why these guys were there was so much movement and there really wasn't back then there was I mean you had some guys who's remained with one team for a whole career that doesn't happen anymore nope. that but that's why I love seeing the uh, retro market right sure. you go to a ball game and you go to a Brewers game and someone's wearing a Gorman Thomas oh, I love jersey it too. I like, love it all right yes yep. I love it right I mean that, that and frankly that, that's those are the people that a lot of fans identify with is the people that of their youth and that they grew up or the guys back in the day who did play 10 years in a particular city. But it was also, yeah, they, well, they played there because their uh, the free money wasn't as great. Yeah. There wasn't as much movement. Um, and guys also wanted to stay together to try to win, right? It wasn't, yeah. it, there wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go here because I can win there. It's like, no. It, and there, you, you used to be have, like, I'm, I'm going to improve so I can beat them. But you didn't have hard caps and luxury taxes either, which is That's really right. why there's so much movement. It's just you can't afford to keep paying veterans, you know, annually like they're doing. It eventually right. it gets to the point where something's going to break. But it, it, it's almost like a reverse effect now with the jersey, right? Like we, we're in Buffalo here. Terrell Owens came for what? Seven minutes to Buffalo. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I know 15 people that bought his jersey. You know, because you want to kind of want to memorialize the moment that Terrell Owens played for the Bills, right? So it's almost going backwards now. You've got to kind of get him while they're here because you know it's going to be a, a blink of an eye. Like By I the said, way, I, I, if you're a fan, I don't know. You know, who, who, do you buy a jersey? Do you invest? Buy them all. Do, do you invest in becoming the fan of a player anymore? It, it, these guys spend two years here, and then even if they're great. They get traded because of their contract and because of change in organization. I mean, it, it's hard to, to 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 be the fan that we were when we were kids. Do you do you have any baseball jerseys? I uh, no, I do not. I only own one of my. I've never been a big jersey guy. I owned a George Brett jersey because he was always my Oof, favorite player when I, I was like growing it. up. I That's like sweet, it. Mike. I own a Jacob DeGrom jersey. <laughs> there you go. See what better Guilty example could charged. that be? It's going to be that, gone. That, in December. I'll say that will be completely useless in soon. And I'm talking non-autographed, like you know, All right, memorabilia. I, it stuff, is autographed, right? but I, I own okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have, and I, I got this one. I, I was. A, I have a Griffey jersey. I have two Griffey jerseys. Okay, that's my guy. Junior. Junior. I have a jersey that I will no longer wear. <laughs> okay. Um, but I have it of this guy. I'm holding up a starting lineup. Oof. Kirby Puckett. Very nice. Right? But the problem was. You know what? Uh, Kirby's no longer with us on this mm -hmm. earth, right? Um, but the stories about yeah, Kirby, yeah right. I yes. mean, domestic violence, yeah. like yes. not cool. So I won't wear it anymore, right? Yeah. Um, but is Friggin it okay? Twitter? What is the what is the age cutoff on wearing? Yeah, a jersey. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to a minor league boss baseball game last night, and I wanted to bring my glove. And my wife decided that was a bad idea because I'm 38 years old. Uh, <laughs> right? So that's yeah. sort of the discussion I had about that, too. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't bring it. There were a couple of balls near me. I would have used yeah. my beer cup, of course. But yeah. 
Yeah, it's the same I, discussion, I, right? Like I think what, once you pass 40. Fanboy. I was, I was going to say 30, 35, 30. In uh, your 30s, I think, you, you get much north of 30, I think it looks a little odd. Yeah, I, I would even say that for football uh, jerseys, if you're going to a football game, um, you know, there are some grown men in their 50s wearing jerseys they have no business wearing. It That's just, okay. It, I, I don't know. It's okay. I, I don't know. Support your team. I Debbie you could support Downer. your you could no you could there are other uh, age appropriate apparel. I want to know where the Velcro name jersey is. Ugh. When are Isn't we doing? When is somebody well, doing this? For a while, wasn't there a company, and I think they've gone under now that was that was doing like a subscription jersey rental yeah, service, wh- where every month you would get a How new jersey. How did it go under? Would, I don't know. It's a great idea. <laughs> where are you? Call us. We are in kept, on this. People probably kept stealing the jerseys. It's That's a probably great how idea. That you know that way you're not locked into buying a jersey of a guy who's not going to be on your team. No, but you anymore. keep the jersey. You just send a, you send a new Velcro piece to put I a new agree. name in the back. I agree. If you're you know? right, yes, the number stays. Right, like how many 26s have played for the Buffalo Sabres? Plenty. Yeah. You could have four Velcro strips, and you could change it out as needed. <laughs> I, Great I'm, idea. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Hey, a uh, real quick side. Patent pending. Side note, <laughs> on the baseball glove, my 8-year-old went to a Bison's game, yeah. and I wouldn't let him bring his um, new glove because sure. he, he already lost a glove this year. Right. knew he was going to no, lose I get it. No, he already lost a glove this year, and so I, no, you're not bringing it here. You can bring this old one, so it's a little kick glove ball went right off the t- top of the glove because it wasn't big enough. I wasn't at the game. That's all I heard about when he got home. If I had my regular glove, I would have caught it. And the, the guy behind him gave it to his kid. Oh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> my kid That's had it, it in his glove. Like, oh, well. All right. All right. We, I, we mentioned football, and we're going to pivot here to football, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's hand off to football here mm-hmm. because we have the training camp version of uh, NFL positional spending yeah. that you have there. And then I also want to ask you a question about a certain defensive player in the league. But uh, let's just talk about positional spending. Right now, as it stands in camp, this is without cuts, guys being released, you know. Yeah, really, really. I, just, I took a quick look because there's we're sort of in the, in the middle of it all here and teams sort of have a roster in place, but it's the full 90-man roster. Obviously, there's going to be some significant cuts coming in the next two weeks which we'll be tracking as much as possible. The, the, the what I, I'm basically looking for trends here at this point because every year I sort of look at these numbers and, you know, obviously your quarterbacks are going to have a ton of money thrown at them, but there was sort of a little bit of relief there. And, and that's what I was sort of looking for. I was looking for how many teams, because of this recent, maybe the past two drafts, who have gone young and, and taken a quarterback in the top of the draft, where are we with cap spending and quarterbacks and really all the positions? And it's getting there, right? It's I think we're starting to see a flip where there's a, a, a few teams who have that window where the quarterback is cheap and they've spent their money in the, in the trenches and maybe in the secondary for a few of those teams. Um, and, and I like to look at it this way as, as a way to project the, the, the season, right? Because I can sort of see how the trends have folded, right? We had the Philadelphia Eagles last year. We've had some teams. I think Houston had a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl last year with the, with the Deshaun Watson uh, situation. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, maybe not with Even Watt. without Watson. Without Watson. Well, you know, I, I, I think this year, assuming Deshaun Watson continues so, so what he did going. last year in yeah. only six games, so but that, that's a very small sample in my mind. Yes, yes. But with, but with, with Clowney and Watt and, yeah. you know, they're a, they're DeAndre a really Hopkins, good, right? Yeah, they're a yeah. last to first, especially team. a year later with with all those guys sort of buying into the system. Yeah, they're they're on this list. So so there's like there's like five teams who are under 10 million in quarterback spending, and I like to start there when I'm breaking down the positional spending because, like I said, that generally can lead to a really good successful year if you've spent wisely elsewhere, right? 
but you've got the Rams, you've got the Houston Texans, the Chiefs, and you've got the Eagles there. Okay, so all low with their quarterback money. And I'm not just talking about the starter. I'm talking about the backups because you've got some teams like Arizona. You know, you've got Arizona spending 20 million on Sam Bradford. I'm not even sure he's going to play, right? I mean, you could have him and and Rosen at you know a combined 25 million dollars in cap, and you know maybe Rosen gets every snap out there. But well, because they have Rosen, they can afford to do it though. They can, but. What I'm saying is there's teams that, that didn't do that. They chose not to go that right. route. Like they, well, they're, they're all, cheap. all in on their rookie. Their backup's worth a million dollars, maybe not even. There's teams who have literally bought into, we're going we're gonna to spend nothing on the quarterback while we can and hope it works out and hope our guy doesn't get injured, like Houston, <laughs> and, uh, and, and spend our money elsewhere and you know, load up on, our, on our, our interior defense and our outside edge and, and you know, the things that have worked over the years. That's really the process that, that have happened. What we haven't seen is we haven't seen a quarterback who's dirt cheap sort of take it through to the finish line until last year. <laughs> and really with Foles, and Foles, you can talk about Foles because he was the backup, but it was Foles plus Wentz was dirt cheap, and it worked throughout for 20, 21 games throughout the year, right? That's what, what I'm looking for here when I start this breakdown. And, and I think the Rams are definitely in that conversation based on their offense versus defense. The Chiefs are maybe in that conversation. There's a lot riding on Patrick Mahomes. I'm a not lot. sure. A and lot on a guy that we don't know and, enough about. And they had to give up a hell of a lot on defense over the past two years just because of their cap. They they went through some cap hell um, for like two and a half off seasons, really, and uh, the defense just got shredded. And then they gave way too much money to Eric Berry. They gave way too much money to Sammy Watkins. So there's there's maybe a, a little bit of ebb and flow with how their cap is, is structured versus what the production may be on the field. We'll see how that all works out. But – they're, they're paying Mahomes nothing, obviously, so this is the window for them to sort of bust out value production. We'll see. Houston, for, to me, Houston might be atop this list. I think I might put Houston above the Los Angeles Rams right now. I know Todd Gurley's there. I know he signed, um, and that was a good move, by the way. That was We've talked about that before on this podcast. That was a good move to get him done at age 23 because it sets them and him up for better success financially. But I, I think I like Houston as the value team in, in terms of quarterback spending, I like how they're spending wide receiver versus running back, and that's the next conversation here. I just sort of think they have it figured out. To me, the, the, the bloated contract right now is Watt because he's been injured twice. Yeah. He's, he's, he's maybe on that, the backside, right? He's definitely on the backside of that contract, which is high. It's, it's bloated because of it. Um, he's got to prove he can stay healthy. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a, he's a, it's a big high year for motor, 150% effort guy, and I think some of the injuries have come from that. Yeah, and, and I, I almost put their long-term success on him right now. I, I know Watson had the ACL, and that's going to be difficult, um, but all signs point to him being fine, and if he's even 75% of what he was for, you know, what, what is it, six games? Six starts. Yeah, six, six starts. Games. If he's even 75% of that to start the year, I think that's a team – Probably the team to watch in the AFC, not named, you know, New England and Pittsburgh and those. But um, in terms of the value quarterback position or teams that we're talking about here, I think Texans and the Rams are the ones to watch. Let's flip the switch just a little bit um, because my next breakdown that I, I, w- I really wanted to dive into was obviously the running back position because we're at we're at a plateau now, and I think we're getting better. I think we, we've talked about this in the last episode. We have the girly signing. We're going to have Bell. We're going to have David Johnson in the next you know, 18 months here. There's going to be some guys who sneak in. Ezekiel Elliott will need it. Will need a deal in the next 18 to 24 months. So you're going to have some of these wide receiver running backs, right? These slash running backs who are going to get paid. And and what we've seen from like Jarek McKinnon and from Gurley now is that if you can, if the offense can run through you, 
We've got a guy like that here in Buffalo with McCoy. If if the offense runs through you, it's going to be perfectly fine to overpay overpay you, and that will do wonders for this running back uh, market. We're not there. <laughs> We're not there yet. In fact, if you look at the numbers we have on Track in the positional spending tool, and, I, and I've, I've broken it down a little bit, um, it's two to one right now. Wide receivers, to wide running receivers backs. at running backs mm. in terms of cap that's the spending. game. That's the NFL, and that's game. not to say that they're, they're, right now with ninety people on the roster, these teams teams are running with about six running backs and six to seven wide receivers. So it's equal in terms of the bodies on the roster right now, and just the cap is literally two to one. So it's a passing league, but I see that breaking. I don't. I, you're going to see your Odell Beckham's come out and say we need, I need twenty to twenty two million a year. You know, you just saw nice contracts for Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, Stephon Diggs, but those guys got market contracts. None of those guys went out and said, I need, you know, above market 20 million, 22 million because I'm worth it. Those guys all sort of get what's happening, right? They're on rosters right now where the spread open offense, the slash, the, the multiple roles, you know, the the offenses are sort of evolving on those teams. And I don't think the Giants have done that yet. And the Giants will need to do that with Saquon Barkley. And they, they may need to get rid of Eli Manning to do it, you know, because they need to get cheaper there, most likely after this year. That would seem to me to be and he's likely not that based kind of player. On, you know, I mean, Manning, I think, has got a couple of years left anyway. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm, there was a serious debate whether he had any years yeah, left with the Giants. I think there's a good chance this is his last year in New York. I think you're um, right about that. Because I think that team needs to evolve. And that's really one of the reasons I think they won't push forward with Odell Beckham Jr. So my point here is, while I think the running back market, it will improve quickly, and you'll start to see cap numbers and things like that rise with with running backs, I think it may level off with the wide receivers just because we've, we've seen the evolution of the depth and how guys, you know, that 14, 15, 16 million dollar mark is becoming the norm for the elite wide receiver, and you're, you're able to keep your cap numbers lower that way when, you, when your AAV and your guaranteed money and your signing bonuses are mitigated a little bit. But I, I think anybody giving Odell Beckham Jr. the contract he wants would be damning to that team because I think of where the things are evolving and the finances will go with it. Can I ask about Khalil Mack? Yes, please. And his contract. Why is this not done? I heard an interesting explanation for why this is done. I'm going to let Mike answer your question no, no, go first ahead. and see if it has something to do with it. No, uh, dive in. Chris Mortensen I heard on ESPN Radio earlier in the week, and he talked a little bit about uh, – you know, Cleo's going to get a, a pretty significant guarantee and a lot of money up front. And the, the 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 theory was that the Raiders are cash poor. They've always been cash poor. Yes. They're cash poor now until they get to Vegas. Uh, and, and, Which usually and, is the opposite. You go to Vegas, they become cash right. poor. Uh, right. Do you? The way he explained it was when you sign a big contract that has guarantees, the team is on the hook immediately. For the guaranteed money to go into escrow, yes. Donor, so so maybe the Raiders don't have thirty, forty, whatever million dollars Khalil Mack is going to get guaranteed. Maybe they just don't have the money right now. Is there is there anything to that? I, there's a hundred percent to that. Um, they've invested a lot in defensively. They've made some bad moves too, so they're eating some cash right now that maybe is holding them back a little bit. But yeah, I, I would assume with the with the move of the franchise. With, I mean, let's be honest. They gave John Gruden 100 million dollars, right? They, they've, right. you know, none of that really applies to to their cap escrow and things like that. But there's there are some bad contracts that they're sort of getting over. I'm not sure they're 100 percent sold on Derek Carr long term, so they're they may be in a position where they need to flip that in the next two years or so. Um, and, and look at they control Khalil Mack. 
This is business. They control. He's on a fifth-year option. There's still two franchise tags to come if they want it. I did a tweet the other day. Somebody asked me this exact question. Uh, if you put it all together, if you put together his fifth-year option and then three franchise tags, which is as much as humanly possible a team could handle, you're talking $82 million over four years, right? So right off the bat, you're That's talking 20, $21 million, right? Yeah. Right off, a, Without even trying. It's about equivalent to getting, what you would get on a multi-year deal, right? Which is... Which is why there's really no discussion, right? Like his agent and and the market and anywhere you look, it's going to be twenty to twenty one million dollars a year for Khalil Mack and any of these guys, the Clownies and the the Aaron Donalds. I mean, that's just what there is a there's a there's a process in place with the franchise tag system that literally allows you to basically go out and say this is the number we're starting with, and there's really no talking about it any other way. Because if you want a franchise tag us three times. That sucks, but I'll take it. Yeah. And we've seen got more guys take it than usual, and it's because of this. It's because the money is maximum. So there's there's really no give and take. I mean, Khalil Mack has been great. He had, he had a little bit of a down year last year. I mean, just the production was a little down, and the team was Partly kind of down around production him. production has been so was so good the yeah, two years was, before that. He's been outstanding ever since starting. When does he have to show up to not of to not uh, affect his ability to be a free agent at the end of this year? Like, where what's the drop dead time when you know he'll show up for Raiders camp? Look, I think he'll be here week one. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think he'll be here. Okay, I think there's he'll no, be there's here. no. Rest- I thought there was. I thought I somewhere along the line there was a 30 day situation yeah. where if you're not in camp, report within 30 days of the opener, you it affects your contract status. Is that not the case? So yeah, he could lose a year of eligibility, which would make him like a restricted free agent. But that 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 won't be the case on a fifth year option. No, no let me tell you, how this is going to go. He'll be here. They're not going to pay him. They're not going to pay him this year. He's going to get a franchise tag in February, okay? It's just going to happen. It's just the way we're going. Let me tell you another thing. I think Aaron Donald sits out the whole season. Wow. Ooh, I think wow. he sits out the whole season. I think he becomes a restricted free agent, and I think they franchise tag him, all right? Because that's what the Rams do to defensive players. They just do it. Um, I, I think it's a tool that's there. It's, I think it stinks as, that it's as there. As good as the Rams have a chance yeah. to be Super Bowl champions this year, would they take the chance of not having their best defensive player part of that? Look, at, there's a reason they got Ndamukong Sue. Well, I was just going to ask you all that. Right? Is that part of the thinking there? There's a reason, all right? He's he's not Aaron Donald, especially at this age, and he's, he's not going to rush the passer like Aaron Donald can rush the passer. That's a pretty good plan B. But if they got to roll with it, I think they'll roll with it because I, I don't. I think that's it's a similar situation where they've got cash that they can't burn right now. And Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack are pretty much, you know, carbon copies of their market values here. So, you and know, they're both trying to be the first defensive players to hit the twenty million mark, right? That's right. That's there, there's probably a sense of pride involved in that. Well, I was going to say they want. Well, they want hundred million dollar contracts. Right. Because there's never there's been a defensive player at twenty involved. million. Is that correct? No, a Von Miller at nineteen one is the max. Okay, and it, the big number is sixty two million guaranteed. Okay, that's sort of like the the the, the number to look at, and thirty five of that is probably guaranteed right up front. So to your point, yeah, thirty five. Hits the escrow right away. Yeah. So cash wise, it's extremely difficult because yeah, you got the Rams th- doling out contracts left and right. You've got the Raiders sort of in flux. Like I said, it's a little bit different because Goff's going to need a contract in you know maybe 18, 18 months here as right. well if he has another MVP candidate year. So um, I don't expect either of these guys to get paid until February when the franchise tag is yep. slapped on them. And and quite frankly, like I said, I, I'm an advocate for this thing getting tossed out the window, the franchise tag, because it's become it's become a crutch more than it has a tool to get a deal done, right? It's 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 evolved into a, 
I'm going to slap this on you so you can go nowhere, right? Uh, it's not a, yes. it's not a, we just need more time to get it done because we need to make some things happen and get more money. That hasn't happened. That doesn't happen anymore. Okay. I mean, all the guys who got tagged this year are playing on the tag. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you need any more uh, evidence than that. Good thing Khalil Mack has that sponsorship deal with Mack Trucks. That's his only source of income right now. Is that right? Oh yeah. That's yeah. A, he has a great sponsorship a with sense. Mack Trucks. They, uh, <laughs> and they, and there's a, they, they've done videos and commercials with him. It's yeah. It's, Do they make him a hood ornament? Uh, I'm sure Wouldn't they have Khalil Mack in a three point stance on the the front of your Mack <laughs> that's truck. That's almost as intimidating as the bulldog <laughs> yes. that's on the Mack truck. Yes, yeah. it would be. I think that'd be fantastic. So, yeah. so here's a discussion. Uh, is there any any issue with with that endorsement if he sits out all year? That's a good question. Do I mean, you think that contractually? Do you think that would be in a, in a sponsorship contract? Absolutely, I mean, it would yeah. be. I mean, you need his his, but his he's butt still, on, he's on TV still every the Sunday, star. right? I mean, he's still yeah. But doesn't he go away if he's not on TV every Sunday? Uh, I, yes and no. I mean, in the world we live in, if you're not uh, appearing uh, every day, you go away. Yeah. Um, but he's still Khalil Mack. You know, we can find another Mack. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There's always another Mac. Yep. They can bring back Kevin Mac from the <laughs> Browns back in the day. All right. There's an old jersey that would be okay to wear. That would be okay to wear. All right. No, That's no, not so much in Cleveland, though, I don't think. No. Uh, no. Yeah, there's a little sore spot there with that. <laughs> Fumble. All right. Anyway, um, that does it for today's edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. A lot of ground we cover with the baseball and football there. Be sure to sign up for the premium service. You get Mike's breakdowns each week, um, an audio version, uh, a special podcast. You get a, a contract breakdown there and other access points. Make sure you get the app if you haven't downloaded that yet on your smartphone. The app is great. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. I said rate us, not Raiders. Um, <laughs> I know it sounded uh, close to that since we're talking about the Raiders. All right, for Mike Giannetti and Paul Peck, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast.